today we're going to continue with talking about how God makes all things new. Last week we looked at 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. It says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And so uh, last, last week was New Year's. But, you know, every day is a new day, and depending from where you're counting it, every day can be the start of a new year. But we're just going to continue this week and finish up on the uh, concept that you have become a new creation. What does that mean, and how do you walk in that? How do you uh, get built up by that? How do you uh, live that? So you are a new creation in Christ, and it's important to understand these things because uh, it affects how you walk in faith. And the problem with a lot in Christianity today is there are a lot of people that are dying down or burning out. And it's like it doesn't seem new anymore. It doesn't seem new. How, how can we continue? I know a lot of pastors get weary. I hear people talk about, man, I've been doing this for so many years, and it's just it's starting to get old. And that's natural, and it's going to happen in the natural. And there are ways, though, that we can prevent that from affecting us to the point where it takes us out. Everybody's going to struggle with that once in a while. But you don't have to let it become your thing. You don't have to let it take you down. You don't have to wear away and die out. You can still walk in newness. But the reason that there is a lot of burnout is because... We still function under an old system or the way things were. You hear these truths that are new and exciting, but yet you still process them under an old system. And that system has to change. Behold, all things become new. And Jesus spoke of this particularly in Matthew 9, verse 17, when he talked about, Neither do men put new wine into old, bo old bottles, else the bottles break and the wine runs out and the bottles perish but they put new wine into new bottles, and both are preserved. Now, that's, he spoke that back in ancient times. They, when they say bottles, they're talking about wineskins. That's the translation that's up there. My translation says bottles, but they're talking about wineskins, and wineskins were basically made from uh, goat skins with the rough part on the inside, and fermentation would cause these things to leak or burst forth. So you couldn't put new wine into um, an old wineskin. So what Jesus is saying here essentially is you can't just adapt uh, these truths and put on a new set of values, a new set of beliefs, but something has to change besides your mind. Something has to change. There has to be a change in you. You have to become a new container. Not the old, but the new. A relationship with God is going to require that all of you changes, not just certain mindsets, values, beliefs, habits, and so on. So you do not add Jesus to your life, and you don't just agree with Jesus. You become a new container. So how does that work? Well, first, fermentation is the process of converting sugars into acids, gases, and then finally alcohol. It's a converting process. And so what happens in the church is that we can hear converting words, converting news, but if we're not converted ourselves, if we don't 
have the new container, it's not going to build us up and bring us forward in the way of new life and all things are new. So you have to more than change your mind. What does it mean to be converted? Many in the church believe the converting truths, but they're not converted. And they struggle, and they struggle because they hold the truths under the old system, my old understanding, old ways, old religious habits, traditions, and so on. So what does it mean to truly be converted? You have to have a change, not just in the mind stuff, but in the ownership of your life. You have to have a change in management. You have to say, is no longer I, but Christ. And how do you get this? Well, you have to become new. And the word is in John 1, verse 12. And that's what we want to focus on. This will show us how we walk in this newness. And perhaps you need to be born anew today. Some of you need to be born again. Some of you just need a growth spurt. But every day, every one of us can have something new. It says in John 1.12, and let me just state what it says right before, because it sort of applies. 1.11 says, he came to his own, but his own did not receive him. Okay, He came to Israel. Israel did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name. So here's what's happening. You become a child of God. You were a child of the world. You were a child of wrath. You were a child of natural. Now you are of God, of heaven. Now you are spiritual. We have tribes, and we belong to tribes in this nation. People all say, I belong to this group. I belong to this political view. I belong to this denomination. I belong to this family name. This is the good name of my family. All of that changes when... As many as received him, to them he gave right to become children of God to those who believe in his name. They become of a new tribe, of a new family. You become children of God. Not just I believe God and I agree with God, I'm going to do what he says and I think it's going to work and praise God, I can talk the talk and I'll do my best to walk the walk. No, there has to be a supernatural change and you become an actual child born from above. What Jesus called being born again. So, now, you could not do anything about your natural birth. Your parents came together and you were born. You have no say in being born. You just got born. And you can't make yourself grow physically. You have no say in it. You just grow. The same is true in our spiritual lives. You can't just be born because you want to be born. But you can have a say in this. You can have a say, and I'll explain it. And you can't just grow yourself. God grows you, but you can have a say in it. And, and so that's what makes it different. I couldn't choose to be born of my parents in Cincinnati, Ohio, when I was born many eons ago. But I did have a say in being born of God, although I couldn't do it. I had to look to him to do it. But the key here is, is in this verse, and it can be boiled down to three words to sum up the verse. Receive, believe, and become. Okay? 
If you can remember those three words, you've got John 1.12 down. Receive, believe, and become. You can't change yourself. You can't birth yourself. You can't grow yourself. But you can receive and you can believe. And when you receive and believe, you will become. You, by receiving and believing, you invite the Lord in to your situation, into your life. And he does that birthing work. He does that growing work. He does that transforming work. You don't change yourself. He changes you. But you have a say. You can choose to receive him or to believe him and then to become. Now, these words are loaded. So let's look at each one, one at a time here. To receive, believe, and become. To receive, the Greek word for receive actually in this verse is different from the one just before. It says, he came to his own, they did not receive him. But as many as received him, so on. So the Greek words there... The first word means to accept. He came to his own, but they did not accept him. But here, it's much more than accept. It's a different word in the Greek, and it's speaking about gaining him as a possession. Gaining him as a possession. And there, this is packed, because what does this mean? It, can you actually receive Christ as your own possession that you can receive the Savior of the universe, the Maker of the universe, the one who holds the keys to death and Hades, the one who holds the answers to all life, the one who has love beyond what we can fathom, that we can only taste a little bit of and understand a little bit of, and the whole power of all created beings and gods in this spiritual world, we can actually possess him, receive him. Why? Because he offered himself. It was his idea. We, we couldn't do it. We couldn't grab him of our... We couldn't demand him to come to our earth and, and die for our sins. But because he offered himself, he offered himself as a gift. And that was the Christmas message. Remember, the gift from heaven, the birth of a Savior that could reconcile man to God, that we could have right standing with him and not perish, but have everlasting life not be stuck in this world of drudgery and doom, but to be lifted up on a plane that's going through it, walking on top of it, and finally getting past everything into everlasting bliss and glory, all because of the gift of God that he offered to us that we could receive and possess. Now that's receiving. That's like when you receive a gift. And I mentioned at Christmas, uh, you know, in China they had this custom where... Uh, the cultural custom was you receive a gift and you don't open it. You, it's a fancy wrapped package and you put it on a shelf to honor the person who gave it to you. And that was the cultural custom. I, I knew of one person who received this wonderful camera and they never got it out of the box. They never unpackaged it. They could never use it. And so they missed all the glorious pictures they could take. But that's the folly uh, I mean, there's a nice heart behind that. It's an honoring of people who give it, but this is something that you have to take, receive, gift, and pos- uh, get, uh, receive and possess. You can't leave it wrapped on the shelf. Jesus came, he offered himself, and we celebrated that at Christmas, but he offers himself every day to be received. Have you received him today? Have you gained him as your possession? You know, this cheered me up this week as I was thinking 
thinking about it, you know, what have I got? What have I got to show for things in the past? What have I got to carry us through? And then I thought, have I gained Christ as a possession? Do I have him? Hallelujah. I have received him. If I have him, I have everything. If I have him, I don't have to worry about what's going on. I don't have to worry about my reputation or, or my failures or anything else because he's a redeemer, he's a savior, and he's the one who does it all if I'll just receive him and gain him as my possession. You see the difference of receiving him from just saying, oh, yeah, I agree. Yeah, he died for my sins, and oh, he said this, so I'm going to try to do No, it's a personal thing. It's a personal thing. So the first question is, have you received him? And a lot of people in the church have received him, but it's not enough just to receive him because they're still struggling. They still aren't quite the new containers, the new wineskins that Jesus talked about. And how's that work? Well, you know, you can receive a guest into your home. You can receive someone, and then what do you do with them? And some people have received Christ, like, oh, come on in, but then you kind of just say, do your own thing, ignore them, you know, you can fix your own meals and whatever. You're not, uh, you're not paying attention to your guest. And really, you know, he doesn't want to just be the guest. He wants to be the manager. But a lot of people have received him. They agree with him. They've made him an important part of their lives, perhaps. But it's just kind of like he's there. You can have a teacher come into your church. You had lots of speakers come in before I came for what? What was it, a year or two years? Two, two years, different speakers all the time. You received a lot of speakers. And some of them, you received them, and you were kind and gracious and said goodbye. Others, you may have received them, and they said, oh, that was worthwhile, and you grabbed hold of something. But you can receive lots of good, and it only goes so far until you move on to the next item, which is to believe. And that's a packed word. So believing is not just saying, I agree with this mentally, although that's part of it. But believing... The Greek word for believing uh, constitutes a present and continuous activity. In other words, believing is a response. Faith is actually a response to what you've received, to the word, to the truth. And believing will ultimately affect how you be living, right? Believing will affect how you be living. You can say, oh, I believe Jesus died for me and loves me, but then you go and disobey him, you don't really believe. Well, yeah, I do. I believe he did, but it's not affecting how you're living. Your belief will affect, if it's a biblical faith, it will affect how you're living. Belief, be living. Believing, be living. So what you believe is going to affect you. And, and in this passage... It talks about to those who believed in his name. And that phrase, believing in his name, has, was never applied in the Bible to anyone else, none to the prophets. You never believed in the name of someone, in the name of David, in the name of Saul, Moses, or things like that. It applies only to the Lord. And it's talking about the utmost uh, trusting and embracing of him over and above all else as a part of your identity. Believing in his name. 
that phrase is very particular of God and nothing else below him. And it says believing in. in you could say the Greek implies into. Getting a lot of Greek today. It's all Greek to me, right? Um, ace is the Greek word. You say, why isn't he telling us the Greek words? I don't always tell you the Greek words because you're not going to remember the Greek words. you got to just understand and trust me that that's what the Greek says. But ace is the word for in, and it means into. So it's those who believe. You receive Christ, you take him as your possession, you believe into his name. And when we talk about believing into his name, there is the change. You are suddenly in the name of Jesus, in the name of the Lord. You have become uh, a child of God, it says in the verse. That he gave the right to become the child of God. You have a family transfer. You are believing out of your old past and heritage and into God's present, future, and, and uh, glorious heritage to come. You even partake in what he did in the past because the Bible infers that we say we've been crucified with Christ. We've also been risen with Christ. It's everything he's done. So there's really no past, present, future with God. It's just a matter of believing in his name and you become above past, present, and future. You're, you are in his family. You are his child by believing, by possessing. That change comes like that. You have been given the right to become a child of God. So your family situation, a lot of good family situations in here probably. Maybe you've had a bad family situation and it was, it was terrible, heartbreaking, hard. Once you become a child of God, you're a member of a new family. doesn't mean you abandon your, your old ones or loved ones, but it means your identity, your family line has been changed. Your destiny has been changed. You have become descendants of the Lord descendants of Abraham. You, you have the blessing of, of Abraham upon you because of Jesus. So your tribe has changed. Your family has changed. And it's like that. And it says that um, to those who received and believed in his name, he gave the power to become the sons of God. And that word for power is not the same word as dynamite power, but as authority. You have been given an authority, or as I said before, the right to become children of God. And this is something to really worship the Lord about because you don't have to earn a right to be blessed of God. You don't have to get your act all cleaned up to be blessed of God. You don't have to struggle and strain and climb a mountain and pay back everything that you've done wrong in the past to have a right standing with God. It's all given to you. He gave the power, the right. You had no power. You had no authority. You had no right in your sins. And in yourself, you have no right. But because of Jesus, like that, everything's okay with the Lord. There are people out there that have a faith in God, they believe in God, but they're not reconciled to God. They may give God a good name. Uh, they may speak a good word for God. They may do some things they think they're honoring the Lord, but they are still not reconciled. They have no right to, to say that they are accepted of the Lord. Their works, as good as they may be, 
are not acceptable because they are tainted. Every one of our best works are tainted with problems. The Bible says in Isaiah 64, 6, it's that our righteousnesses are all as filthy rags. We don't see it. We're blind. We just see what we want to see, and we're basically living for ourselves. Even as Christians, we, we put God on. And all of this stuff, none of us should have any right to be reconciled to God, but Jesus has given us that right, that power. And so I'm saying there are people out there that have a good feeling about God, that have, seem to have a love for God, but they're still not reconciled. Why? Because they haven't received Jesus. They haven't believed in his name. And it's only when you change the container and become that child of God through Jesus Christ that everything is reconciled. And that's where all the glory starts to happen. That's where all the tribulation starts to happen too. That's where you have to go decide, who am I living for, myself or for Jesus? Paul said, to live is Christ and to die is gain. What did that mean? He said he's not living for himself anymore. He's living for Christ because Christ is everything. Life is Christ. There's nothing else. You say, what's so great about Jesus? You haven't seen it spiritually. You need to receive what the word says, believe, and he will open your eyes. And you will decide, like Paul, that everything hinges in Jesus Christ. And to die is gain. You no longer fear death. You say, my death day is my best day because it's my transition going into glory, into the heavenly realms to be once and for all free from this despondency and weight of sin that drags us down and the corruption of the world. Boy, we have a hope and a glory, but I'm not suggesting we all say, well, let's just go home then. Let's just end it right now. No, that would be a sin. And plus, you'd miss out on so much that you're going to glory in in the days to come because all these trials we go through as children of God, they're all redeemed in Jesus Christ. They're all working towards a greater good, and they're all going to produce fruit now as well as in the hereafter. And you may have question marks now. You may wonder what's going on and why, 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 and where, 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 and what, what, what. But in the end, it's all going to make sense. It's all coming together. Just as Jesus died on a cross and they didn't understand it, there was a resurrection that happened because of it. And there is vindication for each one of you, each one of us, for the things you're going through. There is reward for those who are faithful, who persevere to the end, all because we have been reconciled to God through Jesus Christ. We have become children of God. And if you believe this, it will change your attitude in everything. And I'm saying you don't have to earn it. He's given you the right, and he's changed you in an instant the minute you've said, yes, Lord. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 is a very powerful set of scriptures here. Do we have that? For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. By grace you have been saved by faith. By grace, not by making up for all the past sins. By grace, not by doing better today than you did yesterday. Not by learning more of the Bible or praying a little bit extra longer. It's all by grace, and it's through faith, not through works, that anyone should boast. 
And it's not of yourselves, like I said. It's not of yourselves, but you have a say because it is the gift of God. And you're saying, if someone offers you a gift, you have a say. You can say, thank you, or you can say, no, thank you, or put it, you have a say. Have you said thank you for the gift of God? What is the gift of God? Again, it's the gift of Jesus Christ, who offered himself and offers himself daily. And if we are to receive him, we don't just accept him, we possess him. We say, come in, as he knocks at the door. And when you do that, you become accepted in the beloved, and you have all things work together for good. You have nothing can separate you from the love of God. In, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. All these promises are yes and amen in Christ Jesus, and you are united with him. You are a son or a daughter with him in the family of God. Whose family are you a member of? That's believing. You live as one, a family of God, a changed person. And the, when you have received and believed, believing causes becoming. Christianity is not about doing, it's about being. You are becoming something in Christ. Your nature has changed. You're no longer of the flesh, no longer of the devil, no longer of the world, but you are a spiritual being. And believing is not just a one-time transaction. It's a continuous present activity. So therefore, you are becoming continuously. You don't just arrive the minute you become a child of the Lord. You do in one sense. Your inner man is changed. That's done. And your inner person in the spirit is as holy as the Lord is because it's the Lord's righteousness, not yours. But you still got this flesh that's sort of lagging behind and waiting, waiting for the new order to come, for Jesus to come. And so the Bible talks about there is a growing process in which your spirit is playing out in your life and your flesh is coming into line with your spirit. I guess, do I say that slower? But your spirit is there. You are there because in an instant you've become a child of the Lord and you've become like him in your spirit. You are the family of God. You are spiritual, not natural. But your flesh is still the same old flesh and you, your flesh wants to do the same old things. That's why Paul said in Romans uh, 6 that we by the spirit put to death the deeds of the body. It means we say no to what we were. We say no to what we were. So you, you do not change yourself, but you do change your direction because you are believing something about the Lord. You are believing that you've been changed and now you adjust yourself and you change your direction. You don't change yourself. You can't. So don't beat yourself up when something doesn't work the way you thought but you change your direction. I'm not going to continue in those things that drag me in that direction. I'm going to walk in the things that bring me into life and light. And how do you change your, change your direction is, is spoken of in Romans 12, 1 to 2. Romans 12, 1 to 2 says, I beseech you, therefore, brothers, brethren, include sisters, 
by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. Transformed. There's the key word here, that we are becoming, we are being transformed. We are not changing ourselves. We are being transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So I can't change myself, but I will be transformed as I present my body a living sacrifice. What does that mean? It doesn't mean like the Old Testament sacrifices where they put the animals on the altars and the fire of God came down and flayed them. That's, that was a sacrifice, but that's not what he's talking about here. He's talking about presenting your person, your body, as an instrument for the Lord. Again, you are not your own anymore. You are living not for yourself. You are under new management. You live for Jesus, and therefore, here I am. What do you want me to do? Here I am. I'm giving myself to you, much as when we get married. We, we sacrifice ourselves to give ourselves to another. Why? Because we have to, because it's our duty. No, it's because of love. So when you love the Lord, you want to give of yourself. Here I am. You present yourself. That's all I can do is present myself. I can't change myself. I can't make myself better. I can't. But I can present myself. Here I am, Lord. You do it. You do it. And that's how it works. And so uh, I present myself, and that God considers a living sacrifice, a holy acceptable. That's all he wants is your heart. That's what's holy and acceptable to him. It's not your actions you're doing, it's your presenting, which is simply saying, here I am. Now you take over. And then it says, be not conformed to the world. So as I present myself to God, I don't want to be in the mold of things that are anti-God, that are not of God. I'm going to be careful what I watch on television, not because, oh, I'll go to hell if I watch the wrong thing. No, you won't. But it's like, I don't want to get myself in that mold. I don't want to be influenced. I just heard uh, the other day somebody committed suicide, and they were, I don't know what the actual reason was, but they were thinking, there were signs indicating that they had been watching this horror television program that's on one of the streaming services, and, and it got in his head, and he started to hear demons or whatever. Anyway, you know, what was he presenting himself to? What was he being conformed to? And that's that might be a poor example, but the point is there. What we are allowing into our minds is conforming us. What we are doing may be the way of the world, which is a way that is taking us down or giving us uh, a lead into death where we should be walking and saying, Lord, lead me in the way of life. So be not conformed to the world. Why would you want to be conformed to the world? It's on a, it's on a death track. And that's something we got to shout in church. Oh, that preacher's just stepping on to... No, we got to shout, fire. If there's a fire in the theater, you want to get out. And that's what I'm saying. You don't, it doesn't look like fire. And those television programs can look interesting and fun. Maybe they're well done and everything, but you know that music, what you're reading... Uh, who you're fellowshipping with, you know, all these things could be fire. They could be danger to your soul. So 
be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's part of renewing your mind, is seeing things the way the Bible talks about it. Reading what the Word says, it says, I have the right to become a child of God. That means there's nothing getting in the way as long as I can receive and believe. You know, you start to change your thinking according to the Word, and God does the transforming. So I present myself. I can't change myself. I can't fix myself. I can't fix my mess. I present it all to God. And I understand, too, that I'm growing. I'm in process. None of us has arrived at perfection on this side of eternity. But we don't have to fear when we, when we, we fall so far short because that's the gift of God. It's not as a result of works, lest anyone boast. For by grace you are saved, through faith. And that, instead of beating myself up and saying, oh, woe is me, when will I ever get it right? I just lift up my hands to heaven and say, thank you, Lord, you covered this too. And thank you, Lord, you still love me. I don't see why or how, but I guess it's because you are love and not because I'm lovely. God is love. And he still accepts us because he can, because of the cross. The cross met the justice. He's a just and holy God. He cannot tolerate sin, but the cross paid for my sin. And because of that cross, he can be just and forgiving and love me even when I haven't been lovely. Nobody shouted? Oh, okay. I mean, I know this is a calm church. but actually, Well, I know you're shouting in your hearts. That's, the, that's it. We shout in our hearts a lot. So, and finally, with that being transformed, then you're going to prove what is the good, acceptable will of God. The word for prove there is talking about uh, experiencing for yourself or testing. In other, other words, when you present yourself and when you are transformed and you are, you are walking in that way, you will, you will prove, you will experience for yourself that God's will is good. You think, well, what am I going to lose if I follow the Lord? Just present yourself, be not conformed to the world, offer yourself as a living sacrifice, Renew your mind, and God's, God's will will show itself to be awesome in your life. Good, perfect, acceptable, you know, the words he uses. So you will, you will uh, prove it for yourself. And then you, you become. So there are actually three tenses when we become. Once you have received and believed, you became. Right as you continue to receive and believe, you become. We are in process. And the Bible shows us that we are becoming something as we walk with the Lord. So you became. It's done. You become. You are being worked on. You are being uh, in relationship with God. And he is preparing you for what's ahead. You are becoming. And all of this is to say is that we are not home. We are on a journey. When, when you say to live is Christ, to die is gain, you put yourself on a journey. You recognize that this world is not your home. This world is just a passing through. But it's a, it can be a wonderful passing through as we walk with him and as he redeems our failures and our tragedies and our accidents and, and as we experience his friendship and his love and we get to be blessed with what he's doing in our lives, our families, and our work and things. And 
this can be a one. I don't want to ever sound negative on life, even though it's so easy to be negative on life. But Jesus said, I came that they might have life and have it more abundantly. And that's what I'm after. I want life. And life is not just when we die and get to heaven. Life is now, regardless of what it looks like or how it feels, we can have that life that Jesus offers abundantly. And some days I say, where is it? I can't sense it. But, you know, we're not stuck in days. We are on a journey. Our lives should never be defined by the moment we are in. We are being defined by our journey. Okay? We are being defined by our journey. And as we walk with Christ, we are becoming something. So, yeah, last week was miserable. It doesn't seem like I'm experiencing abundant life. Well, that was last week. What about such and such a time? What about next week? You know, it's not to be defined by your particular moment. It's by your journey. What are you becoming? And 1 John 3, 2 says, Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. You know, we don't see him as he is. We see him by faith. And whenever you get even just a taste of who Jesus is by faith, if you can get a taste, a spiritual taste of it, taste and see that the Lord is good, it says in the Psalms, and you can get a taste of who he is, it does something. It can get you through the day. And you only get a little t sliver taste. But when he, he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. What will it be when we see him as he is? When there's nothing hindering our vision and the glory of Jesus Christ is revealed for all to see and we shall be like him in glory? Wouldn't you like to be like God? I'm not talking uh, the sin in the garden. They, the devil said you shall be as gods. We're not going to be God, but we will be like him. Don't you want to be like God? Who is more in control than God? Don't you want to be in control? Who is more at peace than God? Don't you want to have peace? Who is more filled with joy and abundance than God? Nothing this world offers can compare to the glory that will be revealed when he appears. And we, we shall see him and we will be like him. And even now, that's what we are becoming. We don't know what it is, but we're going to see it and it's going to be what we are. <laughs> we are becoming. We are becoming something glorious. So the question is, are you in? Well, I don't deserve that. I, I don't deserve it. To them who received and believed on his name, he gave the right to become children of God. It, it, you know, and what happens to children of God in history and probably in the days ahead? Persecution martyrdom, difficulties, trials. Well, this doesn't look like much fun. <laughs> it's, it might not be, but it's the journey. What are you becoming? And what is that going to produce that you're going to glory in later? See, I think a lot of people are slipping away from the church because it's just become this weak, easy belief thing, and, oh, I don't need anything. No, we need soldiers that are ready to die, go to the battlefield, say, 
I've decided to follow Jesus, no turning back. Because I want that life. I want to be reconciled with God. I don't want what the alternative is. You know, there's a horrifying alternative. You know, what are you receiving? A lot of people are receiving something and believing something, and they're becoming lost and on a road to destruction. And there's an eternity. When we talk about becoming, we're talking about eternity. We are in preparation for eternity. That's what the church is about. That's why we gather together. We are reminding ourselves, encouraging ourselves, encouraging one another to stay the course, receive him, believe him, don't be conformed to the world, and we will have everything. We have become reconciled, and that's what I'm going to leave you with today. Have you been reconciled to Jesus? Are you more than just, well, I'm here and I agree and I believe and all that stuff, or have you gained him as a possession? Have you allowed him to affect your life choices, your life actions? Well, I don't do it perfectly. No one said you had to do it perfectly. It's a matter of the heart. That's where the living sacrifice is. Are you presenting your heart to him, saying, this is my desire, and I know I mess up and I can't do it, but I know that you receive me anyway. If you receive Jesus, he'll receive you. You don't earn it. It's by grace, not as a result of works, lest anyone should boast. That's something we can give thanks to God for, and that's something that guarantees that we can go to our final days and we can face anything that's out there with victory because it's not our victory. It's the victory that was won for us on the cross and the resurrection of the Savior of all man and woman. In Jesus' name. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the gift of eternal life. We thank you for the gift of your Son. We thank you for the gift of your acceptance of every person in Jesus Christ. And we pray, Lord, that we'd see many turn to you in these days. We'd see... We pray that your light just so shine and scatter the darkness that hinders us from walking in the fullness of what you would have for us. We thank you, Lord, for uh, this time and your word. And I pray that you just touch each one of us. Help us to grow in these things and to be further ahead, becoming more like you each moment and each day. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.